Welcome back, listeners. Yes, it's another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. Steve and I uh, flipped it around this week, and uh, we're actually doing this one early in the morning on his drive into work. Steve, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Jeff, how you doing? A little sleepy this morning? A little sleepy, yeah. You know, uh, five minutes ago, I was I was dreaming about, you know, shooting, you know, sub one fives on Smoke and Hope, and then my alarm went off, and you, your text message came off, and I... I came back to reality and, and uh, that's why we're recording right now. So, <laughs> so let me guess at night, you uh, count steel target plane paint. Uh, yes, exactly. Plates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You, you run through, it's like, okay, one Oh one, that's uh, five to go. Okay. Shoot five to go in your head. One Oh two showdown. Okay. Let's just count that. If you make it to one Oh eight roundabout, then, uh, and you're not asleep, then you start again. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, Steve, a um, couple of topics uh, that have come up uh, with me. Uh, I just like to to throw something out there. Um, one of them has to do with with match etiquette um, on a couple of things. Uh, you know, it's a it's a family sport. Um, it is a sport, but it you know it's also a hobby to some and. And I think a lot of people are maybe not aware of the differences between like a level one club match, a level two area match, or or a level three area match. Level two would be a state match or a special match like the West Florida Steel Challenge Championships or the South Georgia, which again isn't happening this year because that's that's going to be the area match. Or, you know, your level three, which is an area, your level four, which is worlds. Um, do you know what the major differences between these matches are when it comes to steel challenge? You know, I think that uh, there's been some rule changes over the last uh, last couple of years. And let's talk about the coaching or being able to call hits. Let, let's walk through that. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a difference there, right? It's level one, level one, uh, club matches. Uh, you are allowed to call hits and misses. I believe the way it's written in the rules is that the competitor can ask to have hits or misses called. Um, but long story short at a level one match, you're allowed to call whether there was a hit or a miss any other match. You're not allowed to call hits or misses. Sure. On the competitor, and and when I say you, I mean the RO or, and that's usually who's doing it. Uh, it's it's probably mm-hmm. bad form, uh, for a competitor or spectator, uh, not shooting to be calling anything. It should be done by the range officer, um, at any level. Uh, and then, um, really. There's nothing different. Jeff, let me ask you this. This actually came up with uh, somebody sent me a, a note on uh, Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I think you and I may have talked about it. I'm not sure. But let's say that you go to a local match and it's a six stager. They've got a morning session and an afternoon session. Um, can I shoot rimfire pistol open at a local match in the morning? And then can I shoot rimfire pistol open again in the afternoon at a local match? 
Great question. And the answer is no. It is the same match and you are not allowed to shoot the same division in the same match. Now, if they were to do something that said on Saturday, it's our Saturday match and on Sunday, it's a new match. That's different. But yes, you're only allowed to shoot a division once per match, regardless of the session that you're shooting in. So that's a really good question. I, I know that I, I I've you. seen some stuff floating around on that. And um, it's good to clear that up, both for competitors and, uh, and match directors listening. Um, now, here's a good one for you. Level one match. And you shoot a lot of level one matches. I mean, we both try to get to the majors, but I know you shoot a lot of local matches. <clears throat> I run two local matches a month at the WAC. The rule is there at every level that painting should happen on every plate. Right. And I've shot local level one matches where they're let's just say if you want to paint you can paint but we're not going to worry about it now the interesting thing about that is is one um it takes out your ability to call edge hits which i love edge hits i don't know about you i love them because it means it's a hit <laughs> yeah i hear you um and you know, if you stay on top of things, and this is something that that you know I express to the people at the WAC, um, this is a volunteer sport, uh, and there's always people that are going to come out and help set up, uh, and of course everybody helps break down. But when you're shooting, everybody should be involved. Now, not everybody's qualified to run the timer. I get that. Uh, I'm not sure about other clubs, but at our club. I, I try to get as many people to learn how to run the pad as possible because it helps sure. and it's very easy with the commander timers, um, the Bluetooth capability, you're, you're hitting a button to pull the time in very simple and straightforward. Um, but painting is, is the next thing and, and painting that's not done. I guess the word is efficiently, uh, can drag a match down time-wise. There's no doubt about it. Um, if you're if you're not on deck, running the pad, running the timer, or have just shot, you're a painter. And I don't care how many guns you're shooting in a in a in a session, you're a painter. And, you know, this happened at the at the world's uh, last year I rode, which was about five years ago, um, morning session. And can you remind the people in Alabama? How many people tend to shoot in the morning? Do you know the number? How many guns? A lot. A squad? Oh, yeah, it's probably it was, the average is probably like uh, people have kids. It's one point five <laughs> guns per. No, it's probably. Yeah, it's probably uh, two guns per squad. 
it's it's two guns for squad but in the morning session at alabama it's it's an eight gun squad yeah it's correct starts at nine o'clock yep. and we had a squad roll up and it was four shooters right and they were all shooting two guns and i just and this is outer limits so it's it's a it's a stage that you know needs to be turned over uh so i just you know grabbed the shooters beforehand um i don't think i was a cro of the stage at the time but i was just at an ro but i uh we, we got everybody together and I had mentioned it to the CRO and the CRO had said, yeah, you, you can say that to them. And I just said, it would help the squad if everybody reloaded after you're done with the whole stage, the whole squad's yep. done with the whole stage. Yep. And that way we can ensure that everybody is, um, helping paint and we're turning the squad over Um, because outer limits can be a slowdown, even though you're only shooting four, um, uh, four strings instead of five. uh, It's, it's that walk down to the 35 yard plate uh, that can slow things down. Um, I know for me, go ahead. I was just going to say, because even, even if you, if you think about it this way, if you're shooting, one gun you actually have to go out and paint twice yes because you're sharing that responsibility with somebody right yep so if you're shooting four guns you really got to go out there and i'm sorry shooting two guns you really have to go out there and paint four times and certainly there's other roles and responsibilities with people running the 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 clock the timer the you know running the pad those kind of things but you know, that's kind of my expectation. And certainly, you know, situation that I heard about recently is that, uh, you know, you've got somebody that's, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't want to paint, can't paint. And if you have a squad of five people, everybody shooting two guns and you got two people that can't paint, you know, that that's uh that's a pretty tough situation. So everybody, you know, the, that puts the pressure on the other three people, let alone if you got somebody running the timer and tablet and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, one or two people aren't involved. That means that pretty much everybody's got to paint, you know, you know, 75 percent of the, the time. And yeah. that's not uh, that's not competitor equity, you know. That's, that's oh, tough. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can't paint. um. I, I don't see. Okay. Um, sure. If you're on your feet all day shooting, um, walking between stages, um, let's face it, big plates and smoke and hope are only nine yards away at maximum. Okay. Right. Um, accelerator, the front two plates are 10 yards away. Right. Okay. Roundabout, the front two plates and the stop plate are only 10 yards away. You can go down the line. Yeah. Okay. Speed option. Maybe you're not going down and painting the 35 yard plate, but that doesn't mean you can't pick up a can of paint and yeah. paint the front plates and somebody else right. gets that and express right. that at a match. Hey, yeah. my knees are bad. My ankles are bad. I can help paint. I'm just going to do the front ones. Yep. We've had sure. instances at 
matches I've been at where uh, it's been noted to me as the match director that there aren't people helping. And what I found is the best thing to do is to just very nicely walk up to them and put a can of paint in their hand and just say, this is a volunteer sport and I need you to help. Yeah. Yep. Not mean, just helping them understand. And I'll tell you, uh, I have another little speech because, you know, um, as love range store.net, love everything they do. Um, at times they've had, they've had an issue getting the supply of paint to then distribute to everyone. And so we were running low on paint and I expressed to everyone, I want every plate painted. Just make sure you're painting the correct way. And, you know, you remind people that and it's never a problem. So that would be, that would be my recommendation for anyone that's having an issue with that. Um, just be nice and just express to them. It's a, it's a volunteer sport and everybody needs to help. So Jeff, hopefully it doesn't get to this point, but what, what happens if you've got some folks that, uh, you know, you give them the friendly, uh, the friendly talk and, you know, uh, they're still not paid. What, what, what do you do as a competitor outside of, you know, cause you've already had a, let's call it interactive conversation with mm -hmm. somebody or somebody's and friendly reminders. What's your, uh, what's your next step? What, what do you think uh, the people listening to the podcast should do in that situation? Don't take it upon yourself as a competitor to solve the problem. Agreed. It's not your match. Yep. You're just a shooter in the match. Say something to the RO, say something to the match director. It based on the size of the match, that match director may or may not be the range master. Say something to the range master. Yep. That's their responsibility to that's match match management and start again. Match management is their responsibility, yep. not yours. Yep. Okay. Um, and you know, lead by example, continue to make sure you're painting, you're helping, you're doing what needs to happen. I know. Um, I do it. I've seen Zach Jones do it at his matches when he ran them. Um, I pick up a can of paint all the time and run down. Sometimes not even the squad that I'm on. Cause as the match director at the WAC, I tend to spend a little time walking around, making sure everybody's doing good. You know, my standard line, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and just being nice. Um, yeah, grab a can of paint paint those front cans in roundabout lead by example. But yeah, as far as a competitor's concerned, um, go to a match official and, and Matt, let them take care of it. It's that's their responsibility. Good deal. I think uh, hopefully that helps uh, at least a couple of people, maybe in some situations where they have uh, yeah, this type of issue, but yeah. and there's ways to do it in a friendly way, you know, exactly. uh, especially if there's some uh, younger folks that, you know, end up being on their phone or whatever at a match, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll challenge them to go out and run and paint some targets. And, you know, there's ways to get them friendly engaged and get the mission accomplished. And 
Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it has happened before, right? At at some of these matches, absolutely. And the other the other important thing, and you hit on it, you know, a little bit, but you know, at eight stage local match or even at a major match, you know, pace is usually thirty minutes per squad, right? Per, usually per, yep. per stage. Yep. And so, and I the fastest match I've probably shot with uh you know full squad it's probably about three and a quarter or three and a half hours somewhere in there uh typical matches i think most people plan for a four hour uh four hour session but that four hour session can turn into a six hour session real quick if you have just one squad that uh bottlenecks because they don't they don't paint and that's not percent that, that, yeah that takes a a fun time shooting at the range to not so fun time shooting at the range pretty darn quick and, you know, you nailed it, too. It has nothing to do with the skill level of the competitors. Right. Okay. Um, the difference between a five-second smoke and hope shooter and a two-second smoke and hope shooter, when you're talking about flipping that person through the line, has nothing to do with... You know, turning turn that shooter over to the next shooter has nothing to do with the speed the shooters are shooting at. Right. It has everything to do with getting the stage reset. Um, it can have a little bit to do with the shooters make ready. You know, you have the rules state you have one minute to make ready. And that gets stretched a little bit. And then, you know... <laughs> I always uh, I always uh, have fun with people uh, when they're going through their, you know, for strings two through five and they're spending another 30 seconds retargeting plates and and, you know, doing 17 draws and and all this. And I'm like, I always joke with them. I say, if you're not ready now, what you're doing isn't going to help. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, yeah. Do you know off the top of your head what the make ready uh is it a minute one minute get or is it it's one minute yep. yep what about what about in between strings um is, I don't, I don't believe there's any the specific yeah. time associated with in between strings um but my understanding is you know you're loading the gun you know I tend to load the gun and just kind of bring it up and sweep all the plates, remind my brain that they're all at, you know, the center of the plates at five foot, except for uh pendulum and get in the ready position. I'm ready to go. Um, and like I said, I have seen it where ROs I've set it as an RO where I, you know, in between strings, people are just taking too long. And you just yeah. gracious, you just gracefully say, you know, you're taking too long between strings because that can turn that three minute flip into five minute flip without even thinking about it. Yeah, you're exactly right. So I haven't seen that as an issue, um, you know, and I, I haven't really seen the make ready be an issue, but uh, hey, you never know. You never well, know. you know, as a match director, the other thing I'll do is, um, not do it in front of all the other competitors when the person's on the line. If it's something I notice, I don't pull them aside. I don't do it right there. Afterwards, I'll pull them aside, just have a conversation, 
giving them the insights that's that's taking a lot of time for them to do what they're what they're doing um there's no need to do it on the line in front of everybody uh that that we don't need to solve it that way yeah you know yep. pull them pull them aside and 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 say something uh, away from everyone just have a, a one-on-one conversation maybe grab another range officer just so there's another witness there you don't want anything to get heated but should something get heated there's another you know match official there and and just be nice and just say hey this is yep. nothing personal this is just this is going to help your, your squads fall a little behind part of it is this and if you could if you could help us move this match along that would be great and 99 times out of 100 that works right, right. so all right uh, no, enough on that let me sure. tell you a little bit about so i started a new job job this week and uh, unfortunately this is going to cut into my uh, live fire uh training so i've started and you know a little bit of foresight so i started to uh do a little bit of dry fire over the course of you know my career i really haven't done a lot of dry fire practice um but what i've been working on and we've talked about this before sometimes to be a good teacher you got to be a good student too and and so i think that without getting into all the secret sauce but a lot of uh a lot of practice and those kind of things is to be able to see faster and uh you know you got to be honest with yourself oh yeah i just you know my I set my par time for 1.2 seconds and I'm knocking it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no, that's speed option. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. So you gotta be, uh, gotta be realistic with, uh, what, what you're able to see, but, uh, I can't wait to shoot my next, cause I, I haven't spent a ton of time. So it's been about three, four days a week, even just 15, 20 minutes. And what I've noticed is that I'm seeing things just a little bit quicker in more clear than I've, than I've seen in a while. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but two observations that I'll, that I'll share with you. The first one is that I think is pretty interesting is that, um, at I've made some slight adjustments. Let's say rimfire rifle open as an example. That's what I'm dry firing that I've made some adjustments to, let's just say, how I hold the gun, how I stand, and, and oh, what I'm huge. doing. Huge. And, and, and I'll leave it at that. But my focus is to keep the dot as level and soft as possible and mm-hmm. shooting at a fast rate. So what that means is, is that um, the faster you go, sometimes what happens is, is that the dot goes up and down and kind of goes all over the place. Well we are that that's it's it's good to be able to shoot fast and see fast but if the dots moving all over the place that's not really helping you that much because you know it depends on the pace of how you're shooting and what you're seeing you may be off the plate under the plate to the right of the plate to, to the left of the plate and that won't tell on you until you actually load the gun and shoot shoot the plates right correct so what i've been focusing on is be, being able to uh, move the gun and try to keep the gun as flat as possible. Despite uh, popular opinion, most of the stages are, are really a, a, a horizontal line. And so you got to keep the gun 
relatively relatively flat. Don't get me wrong. You know, I think it's good even to practice with some elevation changes on on some stages, like uh, Showdown as an example. Typically, when people set up plates on Showdown at a local match, the back plates, even the bottom of the back plate, may be slightly over the top of the front plates, and that's not correctly set up. But you'll run into those types of situations. But that's what I've been working on, and boy, did just a couple little changes here and there and everybody's body structure and all that kind of thing is different, but really focusing on keeping that dot flat and moving, I, man, I, I'm excited to, uh, to shoot a match and see, uh, see what kind of results I can get there. Well, yeah, you know, everything you expressed, I've done some dry fire more in the center fire than I have with like rimfire rifles. Um, really focusing on my draw and to your point dry fire yeah i have a i have a sub second draw on every stage um because i'm awesome uh <laughs> you get you get to live and it's like wait a minute i had i had a sub second on on this dry firing why don't why am i suddenly now at one and a half seconds well it's real life buddy um but it's it to your point keeping level um body position is is huge um i haven't been able to shoot much this week but i've still had my training classes and we were doing speed option last night and speed option is actually a perfect example of how your foot position can really make a difference okay so um i had one of my good friends uh, shoot with me on monday and he was lining up with his I'm trying to think of the best way to express this. His left foot was in the left corner of the box and his right foot was probably halfway back in the box from the right side. So he was so, very angled and square to plates one and two. Now, okay. if you look at speed options specifically, half the plates are on the left side of center yep. so he had most he had he was most comfortable in a most natural shooting position shooting plates one and two and then he was in a very what i would consider i mean more of a weaver stance on the right. other three okay right and he wasn't doing bad he was shooting you know let, let, let me let's back up for just a minute yeah he was angled towards his first two shots or plates one and two his first two shots was actually plates three yeah. and four yep yep okay okay yeah okay I'm, I'm, I'm tracking yep. with you yep so i had him square off to the box which was of course square to the yep. to the uh the uh stage and one of the things he was fast but he he was having inconsistency issues with the stop plate. Right. He was either coming in too slow to hit it or when he was coming in hard, he was going past it. I said, well, let's change your stance a little. Let's use your body to help stop you. OK, and so I got him in the position and he's like, oh, this feels really unnatural. I'm like, don't think, just shoot right consistently 0.15 to a quarter second faster every string 
And it wasn't just for one or two strings. It was like right, for the next right. six to eight strings. It, it, it made that difference. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because I do the same thing. I square up more towards my natural point of aim. I want on plate two. Um, but it makes the first shot really awkward. And that's yes. why my buddy Tom Nealon, I wish I was left-handed like him because his first shot on on speed option, I'm very envious of because with a lefty coming over there, it's very different than the awkward righty coming over to that. Absolutely. Uh, they get to, to that plate. They, you know, uh, the opposite draw is the advantage the righties have on, say, a five to go. Yeah. Drawing yep. on plate one as opposed to a lefty. Yep. It's that, it's that your, that gun is coming over and up to get under your cheek on, on say for a righty on speed option, you know? um, So one of the things that I've noticed about dry firing, which was, I would eh, maybe an aha moment, you know, because I've shot these stages, let's just say more than a couple of times. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick three plates visually, what are the, hold on, hold on. My alarm is going off here. Let me, let me shut up my alarm. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So getting back. So if you speed had, option. if you had, if you, well, just in general, I'm okay. driving back to dry firing. Oh, back to dry firing. Uh, okay. If you had to look and visually see, oh, because I've got, and it actually does take up quite a bit of space if you have them spread out horizontally. Mm-hmm. So I've got every stage set up in my basement. And the interesting part is, is to actually look at the size of the targets because you're standing in the box and everything kind of looks more three-dimensional, but dry firing, it's all two-dimensional. What targets do you think are the smallest of all the stages? It's a trick question. Uh, Not not really. It's just... uh, well, and and, and here's why I, I say it's a, here's why I say it's a trick question. Okay, uh-huh. if you look at showdown, yes, and you go, well, the ten inch plates are at ten yards, and the eighteen by twenty fours are at twenty five. Twenty five yards. Yep. The twelve inch plates at ten. If you get down. To where your eyes, and let's just say the stage is set up perfectly level, okay? Right. So the center of every plate is uh, sitting at four foot six for the eighteen by twenty fours, or the twelve inch plates, and it's at four foot seven for the ten inch plates. But you get down there and you look at that, you will find that most plates take up the exact same space visually. That's exactly right. You're correct, and I would also say, and this isn't my question, but I would also say that dry firing showdown by far should be the fastest stage because of the size of the plates visually yep. and how condensed the array is. But anyway, oh, back, back absolutely. To, back, back, back to the so, small plates. So, what are the smallest plates? Ten inch. It's actually kind of interesting. What <laughs> visually? <laughs> Visually. Visually. Um, <laughs> Visually. I would say, I would say uh, for the entire stage, I'd probably go with Pendulum. It's actually not. 
Really? So the fourth, yeah, the fourth plate on five to go is one of the smallest plates in all steel challenge because it's a 10 incher out. Uh, I, you check my memory here. Yards. It's probably what 18 yards. Yeah. And then you go to speed option. The, the plate number two and, uh, and the stop plate are, are, are pretty small. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting visually with some of the plates that people, you know, that plate number three on accelerator is not overly large. It's not overly small, but it's, uh, it's interesting when you look at accelerator, the exact opposite question. And it's really plate number two on accelerator. That thing's like a, it's like a sign of a barn. It's like, how do I ever miss that plate? <laughs> so, so it's interesting because I've always told people shooting accelerator, you got all three plate presentations in front of you, different sizes, you know, mm-hmm. you've got some medium shots. You got the fastest shot, and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, one of the smallest shots on Steel Challenge all on one stage. That's why people struggle with Accelerator. Because the the first plate's really a medium shot. Second plate's a really fast shot. And then if you shoot it left and then you come in, you know, uh, 4-3 stop, then you go back to more of a medium type shot to a slower shot to somewhat of a faster shot. But it is interesting. why I've tried to really push my pace on five to go. And I, and I'm struggling on plate number four to shoot it the time that I think I need to shoot it. in, And it's because the size of the plate, it looks like a freaking Tic Tac on a stick, (laughs) you know? And that's what the dry fire is going to, going to help you with too, because maintaining that, that level transition. Okay. And yes, you're not going to feel the recoil um of the gun but by maintaining a level transition that and and you you take away the dot wobble okay yeah which you're inducing let's face it in dry fire any wobble you have in the dot you're inducing yeah it's not because there's no there's nothing being fired by taking away that because and this is something i've always said where the top shooters don't look for perfection. Meaning they're able to see the dot on the plate faster, make the decision to press the trigger and move on than the average shooter. Right. Where the average shooter tends to be, um, they're more um kind of it's not sight focused they're more perfection focused like they're admiring their shot almost yeah yep you know um and you know i've always uh you know one of my latest i've always got my little my little sayings and and i always everybody always says well the kids see faster and you mentioned it you know i got to see faster well Sight is based on a universal constant called the speed of light. Everybody sees something at exactly the same rate. The difference is how well your brain processes what you're seeing. Yes. Yep. And that's what you're training. Yep. Yep. That's what that dry fire will train. And I think it's great. In fact, you, you may have inspired me. I do get to the range a lot, although I only get to practice usually once or twice a week. 
uh, as opposed to when I'm actually training people. But I may, uh, I have a set of of dry fire uh, targets that uh, I'm going to have to figure out how I can get them stuck onto the wall properly so I don't ruin them and uh, and start dry firing. Because I know when I was doing it for center fire, uh, especially with a draw, it made a huge difference when I finally got to live fire. Because you get that that's that motion and you know i'm i'm still um let's just say the dot's not always in the exact same spot every time <laughs> hey let, 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 let me share this one one small quick piece of uh piece of insight and, all right uh, then, then we'll call it a wrap but all right so i don't shoot pistols as much but I will say through the exercise of dry fire, if you're not prepping the trigger, especially on, well, pretty much every stage, um, boy, it really introduces a lot of dot movement when I don't. And I think that's some bad habits that I've developed on shooting rifles for, for a long period of time. And I still shoot a pistol. Okay. But in order to step up my game, shooting a pistol, I need to focus on prepping the trigger because what happens is if i'm slapping it at all it introduces some uh dot movement that uh that that shouldn't be there so it's very interesting it cleans up a lot with uh with a good trigger prep Absolutely. when i remember to do it so anyway shoot a revolver <laughs> oh yeah you'll 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 understand how important trigger prep is <laughs> oh yeah no doubt no doubt all right. Well, Steve, well, man, I'm guessing yeah, you're about at work. Uh, we've been talking for a little bit here. Um, hopefully your driving was enjoyable. I appreciate you taking the time to talk this morning. I think it was good. I appreciate you texting me and waking me up and reminding me that you were going to do this. So <laughs> you're welcome, sir. <laughs> you have a great day. And uh, hey, how do we end every podcast? Go out to rainstore.net. Use discount code STPODCAST10 for 10% off. Have a good one, Jeff. Good talking with you. Thanks, Steve. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.